Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, welcome in. It's the All Ball Podcast. I'm Doug Gottlieb. And uh, right, this is part two of our talk with Nico Medved. When we last spoke with Nico, we got kind of a background, how he got into coaching, how he started to climb the ladder. And I, I wanted to talk Colorado State because what's interesting about Nico is, as you've heard, if you listen to part one, you know, he's now the head coach at the second place in which he's once upon a time been the assistant. And uh, I, I, that's just interesting, right? Obviously, that means he, when he left somewhere, he left a good impression on people, but still, it's, it's very unique. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what we've seen specifically in college basketball so far? You know, the, the super senior thing is really interesting, right? Doesn't work for everybody and uh, it won't work for everybody because it's not for everybody. But if you look at the success of, say, the WCC, it's impossible to not point out that super seniors are a big reason why. And, um, you know, the old get old and stay old, it's just get old. <laughs> but uh, you're seeing some uneven results. Obviously, the Big East has been fantastic. You know, if I was, if I'm really being analytical, I would tell you that it not only uh, is the Big East doing well, but, you know, some of it is things that go bump in the night, right? Like Marquette, they were dead to right beat, and they came back and beat Illinois, and Illinois doesn't have their best play, right? So, like, let's be fair a little bit. Uh, there's some other matchups where Rutgers DePaul, great game. That game is played at Rutgers, Rutgers win. But you, you can't take away from the overall success of the league or the thought that the league, and like Michigan State comes in and just kicks the crap out of Butler. You know, Butler couldn't score it. But, but Seton Hall beat Michigan at Michigan, and Michigan being picked to win the league, that was a fair, clean, good win, a great win. But I, I do think it's interesting that the WCC and the Big East who at their respective levels, right? Like the WCC at the mid-major level 
has been Gonzaga. And then though the, the bottom of the league has come up, still a dramatic jump step back down. Usually the, the, the Mountain West is better as like a quasi high major than the WCC. Mountain West, I saw Nevada struggle last night. Now they're going to get better as they get whole. They've also lost some of their core kind of solid pieces, which I think hurt their depth, you know, to transfer. But I, you know, like a blind man can see the WCC with the addition of transfers and the consistency of some of the guys they have returning is not just Gonzaga. BYU kicked the crap out of Oregon. And then, you know, I saw San Francisco. That's a good club. San Diego's got some surprise wins. Santa Clara's beaten Nevada and Stanford. I mean, like the WCC is doing a, have a good year so far. So we'll keep tracking it. Um, still don't really know what to make of the Big 12. I think the Big 10 that's usually ahead of the curve because they have traditionally older players. Um, we haven't seen, you know, Iowa against big time competition yet. We have seen Michigan uh, beat Butler, lose to Kansas. Michigan State, we've seen Michigan and how they've played. So there's still some work-in-progress teams that we're trying to figure out. But the the net-net takeaway from the first couple weeks is, boy, the Big East has been impressive. Boy, the WCC has been impressive. The Pac-12 has been the opposite of that outside of UCLA. We'll see them against Gonzaga. The Big 12 has been kind of up and down. Oklahoma State losing to Oakland, but then beating NC State. Uh, Kansas stayed out of the fray. We've seen Texas lose to Gonzaga, but they're still a new team. I don't want to make every story about, about every conference. I hate that crap because it doesn't, it's not really real, right? Like we can say the Mountain West has been disappointing, but Colorado State, we're talking to Nico Medved, has been great. You know, San Diego State had one disappointing loss, but then they go beat Arizona State, who's had a couple of disappointing losses. So anyway, um, the point very much is I'm impressed by the Big East, I'm impressed by the WCC, but it's not the end-all be-all after just a couple of weeks of the non-conference that decides who's the best and who's not the best. All right, let's get to Nico Bedbed. Here's part two. Okay, like, take me back to Colorado State. How did you guys turn it? Like, it's, you know, how, how did it turn from – like 0 and 16 to two straight NCAA tournaments. I think, you know, it, it, it was, I, I remember this and maybe it's just my, I, we had had such a, a terrible APR situation. Our, our athletic director, Paul Kowalczyk at the time, because we were about ready to, to, you know, incur some major NCAA penalties for APR. And he said, Hey, we, we just, we can't recruit any more junior college guys at, at least for, for the, for the next year or two, because at that point in time, um, a lot of those guys were, were going over to um, having some academic issues and there's nothing against junior college players. It's just, that's what he said we needed to do. Well, it ended up being um, the best thing that happened to us in the sense of we had to go out and we had to find a crew of high school guys that we could build with. And it's, so it kind of forced our hand and we went out in that class of Dorian green, uh, um, um, Pierce Horning, uh, Greg Smith. I mean, all these guys that we got ended up being the foundation and the core, but we did. And then at that point in time, Doug, not everybody was taking transfers. We took Wes Eichmeyer, um, from Iowa state, um, you know, Colton Iverson, Daniel Bayonaro from, from, from Arizona. Um, and all these guys that, that's what turned it in that class. Our third year, we were playing these young guys and you could finally start to see a now, spark. Now, didn't you redshirt 
those guys, the, the freshmen, the, the horning, he read. Some no, of those no, they, they ended up, they ended up coming in and, and starting as, as freshmen. They ended up playing right away for us. Um, but you could just feel it, Doug, like they had a certain spirit and a toughness about them uh, um, that we had not had. And, and you could feel it in that year. We ended up, I think we ended up with a winning record that year and you could start to feel it turn. Uh, um, and, and so that, and then, you know, guys like Andy Ogaday, Travis Franklin, uh, guys that we had taken, you know, as transfers early on, they started to come into their own. Um, and we started to develop a little bit of an identity, you know, who we wanted to be. Jesse Carr was another kid. Um, one of the first guys that we recruited there, um, they could all shoot, um, they could pass, they were great guys. Um, and again, we started to develop a little bit of an identity and then it was like, wow, well, we're going to have these guys here for a few years. And that's really what turned it. I thought in year three, the, those guys, that crew, especially the freshmen, like, does that still exist in that they played right away, but none of them left, you know, I mean, the, the, that's, what's really hard about your job is. You, you've always had to kind of re-recruit your own players, but now yeah. you really have to re-recruit your own players, like on a, on a almost weekly basis. Um, is that what that crew, was that crew just all in and they just liked it and it wasn't a, a, a managing process or was there something, a guy that kind of held everything together and kept them in? You know what? Not really. It just, it kind of felt like these guys, they, they were unbelievable friends, you know, off the court. They were connected on it. They're still really close today. I mean, they're still the closest of friends today. And like you said, that's kind of the way that you would want it to be. That's about kind of the college experience, right? When you look back on it. Um, but what's funny for me, and I know we've got to evolve here, Doug, but that's how I did it at Furman. And to be honest, that's really how we're doing it right now. You know, at CSU, you know, we, we, we've kind of got the, the classes and you know, can we keep all these guys? I don't know. I mean, you, you recruit them every day, you, you, you treat them well, but, but I think that to me, the secret sauce in college hoops is everybody says, Oh, you got to get older and, and get old and stay old. Yeah. Right. But I think the real secret sauce is, can you do that while still having continuity? And, and, and if you can have a little bit of continuity and you get older to me, that's what the really good teams have. See, I think, I, I think that um, it's, it's a fascinating thing that, transfer even the, the grad transfer thing is amazing because consider the experience that guys have at Colorado State you mm-hmm. know and then you know pick a player but the idea of leaving that behind for one year to play at a super high major right like it's just weird because I don't think that enough people who either cover it and definitely fans don't understand what you're leaving behind you know yeah. like a guy who comes in for one season is not going to get invited to all the alma mater games, right? And you're not going to go back to the place that you left. <laughs> so you kind of have, and I'm a transfer, and the Notre Dame guys, I'm still close with my teammates. And I only played there one year, but like, nope, nobody says like, hey, you should come back to this alumni thing at Notre Dame, right? And part of it, I'm sure, is the way I, because why I left. But the good is the best portion of it is like my junior year, I had a rough patch with coach, and I was like, man, my brother just gotten out of San Diego state and before my senior year. And I contemplated, maybe I'll go play for him, you know, but, but you don't just leave that program behind. You leave all those relationships behind and the basketball family behind. And I don't know how you relate that, how you explain that to parents and people that 
that make help these kids make these decisions, which are sometimes accurate in terms of basketball, right? Basketball, it might make sense, but there's a whole rest of your life that you're, you're not taking into account. I couldn't agree more. And I, I talk to the guys about that all the time is that's the miss. And again, I'm not guys, coaches take different jobs. Sometimes transferring is the best thing for, for a young man, but the things that you're describing, I think that's what gets lost in the shuffle. It's, it's the network that you have in this short window, four years, um, all the relationships you make in your community, at your university, uh, um, that network. And all of a sudden, sometimes I, I, I feel really bad for these guys. They've been at three different schools. They graduate. Um, the pro career doesn't materialize like it doesn't for most people. They're going to have to go work for somebody someday. They've got no network. Yeah. They've got no network. They've got no place to go. Whereas, you know, when you do it right... Um, hopefully, if you go, you win, um, you develop relationships, uh, um, you're just entrenched in that community. You have a place um, that helps take care of you. You know, and I've got some guys. I got a guy on my staff that played here, uh, several guys that were on that team before. They're always going to have a place in Fort Collins. Those people love them. And I think that's the thing that gets lost in this whole deal. And, you know, you make a short term decision without understanding the consequences of, of that decision. And so, you know, I, I still, maybe I'm old fashioned. I get it. Times have changed. We have to evolve with that, but there still are places for people that they want to go and stay someplace for four years. Come on. Yeah. It's not, it's not the worst. It's not the worst thing. Oh, no, it's great. As, as anybody who gets done playing like right now, like me, I'm 45 years old. And if somebody goes like, Hey, listen, you can give up everything you have and go back and play one season at Oklahoma state. Like, okay. Absolutely. When do I when do I leave? Right, it's the best. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll I'll do it in a, in a hour. So okay, so you get the permit. Now you have to establish your own basketball identity. This is the first team time. It's your team. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you how'd you decide to build it in terms of, you know, did you do the offense and the defense? Do you have an offense coordinator, defense coordinator? Do, who handles the recruiting? Uh, how'd you how'd you put it all together? Uh, you know, obviously with, with recruiting, you know, you wanted to go out and find, I, I thought I wanted to do it in the same fashion. We had done it at CSU with finding a, a class of guys that I thought would really buy in and really wanted to be at Furman for, for what we were selling. And I thought we started to be able to, to do that. I think one of the not mistakes, but you learn, you, you become a head coach and it's like, well, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do the basketball piece, kind of what we had done at CSU, even though I had already been establishing in my mind, kind of some of the things I wanted to do, particularly offensively, even as an assistant, and I had been kind of trying to formulate my own identity sure. and for whatever reason. I didn't do that my first year and a half. And I, anyway, I got, I what, what, did, what did you do? You just took Tim stuff. I kind of tried to do motion and all this stuff. And I, I didn't, for whatever reason, it was like, why was I afraid to go out and do it the way that I wanted to do it? And I remember I went and I spent, you know, I got introduced to Dick Bennett. I went up to Wisconsin. I spent two days with him, just he and I in his house. Um, and he and I are just developed a really close bond. And he told me so many great things, but he said, you know what, Nico, the one thing is, you know, you only get a shot, you know, one shot to do this. You better do it your way. You know, you better do it the way that you want to do it. Uh, um, and I thought that really helped empower me. And, you know, we ended up after my second year there, we, we had a great run in the conference tournament. Second year, we lost to Wofford in the championship game, uh, um, um, went right down to the wire. That really ended up turning our program. That next year, I went right away and I changed offensive systems. I went to start to do the spread, um, which is what I wanted to do. And we took off. 
I mean, we took off, we were terrific offensively. Um, um, and we never looked back. And again, we went from 336 out of 351 in the RPI to, you know, tying for the league championship in year four. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you what else, boy, you know, losing is a great mentor. And I'm in the, I'm in the Southern conference and you've got, you know, Bob Hoffman was at Mercer, you know, who had just taken Duke to, you know, beaten Duke in the NCAA tournament. Steve Forbes is at East Tennessee State. Will Wade is at Chattanooga. Mike Young is at Wofford. Larry Hunter is at Western Carolina. Uh, I mean, there are some dudes in that league. And I'm this new young schmuck, you know, at Furman. And I'm like, I better figure this thing out quickly or I'm going to be out of a job. And I think going against those guys every day really taught me how to coach and 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 that's this is the the best experience I ever went through. You said spread, so you're talking about just four out, one in. Mm-hmm. Whereas whether you call it dribble drive, whatever, just playing with rules, right? Well, so I when I was at an assistant at Furman, I remember we were going to go out and play Creighton. Uh, Dean Altman was at Creighton, and I had the scout, and I started watching. They had Kyle Corver, and they were running, you know, the old Johnny Orr spread, you know, first cut, second cut, uh, play to the backside. And I started watching it. I was just, I couldn't get enough of it. I just kept watching more games, more games. And then we went out and we played them. And I love the way they played. I love the spacing. I love the cutting. I love the ball movement. I thought it was a way that they could recruit at Creighton at the time when they were in the Valley that would allow them to, to, to win and be successful. And I started to study it and, and I started to learn it and study it. And when I was an assistant at Furman in our last couple of years, when um, we actually started to get good, Larry Davis let me kind of start to run with it. And at that, then that year, we finally beat Davidson once. Davidson and us were the two best offensive teams in our league. Um, and then for whatever reason, I, I went through my whole transition. I went to Furman and I, I, I didn't do it. And then finally, when I was like, what am I doing? I got to do it my way. And sure enough. And then from there, it's, it's really evolved into, you know, my own kind of deal. Um, but it all started with, with learning to, to run that spread offense. How, how is it to, so yeah, we call it pinwheel motion. When we played mm-hmm. against, we played against um, Creighton when I was at Oklahoma state and, you know, it was my dad had coached at Kansas state and Jack Hartman had run a, a version of it as well. Yep. Um, but how is it to implement offenses that you didn't play? And like, I, I yeah. think, like, I think, you know, everybody says, coach, what you know, right? And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I think a lot of point guards, they play, they run exactly what they ran. Maybe yep. they put some new new twists on it, but exactly what you know. And the reason that you coach what you know is you also know um, kind of the, all of the, uh, all the counters, the pressure yep. counters as, as well. How hard is that to get kind of when you're, you're putting together, you're watching somebody, you're, how how many does it take a whole season? Does it take a couple of games to you figure out, ooh, there's something I forgot to tell them? You know, like, oh, kind of forgot to tell them that. Um, I think it was, it, you know, I, that's a great question. And I think all those things continue to evolve over time. I mean, it takes a season. There's going to be trial and error when you're yeah. putting in a system and you got to learn what you like, what you don't like. And ultimately it's going to evolve into your own thing. You know, what do you believe in and what can you, it's, yeah, it's not what you know, it's what you can teach. You know, I think a lot of people make that make that mistake. But when I was an assistant at Furman, I remember we were so bad offensively. And Larry said, we got to do something different. And we just, I put it in and we started doing it. And it was, but it was kind of a, there was kind of some freedom in that because 
you know, it's like, well, we were bad offensively anyway. So we just started to run with it. And you start to, you're right. You start to learn on the fly, you know, of, of what you can do. And, and I, and I had done a lot of studying and it talked to a lot of people and, but there's nothing like actually coaching it and teaching it. Um, but, but yeah, it's just something that became really, really comfortable to me. And then obviously I really love what John Beeline was doing, um, you know, when he was at Richmond, you know, in particular, and then started to evolve throughout his coaching career at West Virginia and to Michigan. And he and I are actually have become friends too, um, because I think he's a genius on that end of the floor. And it's kind of, you know, I love to shuffle stuff. I love the two guard front. I love some of the spread stuff. Uh, um, I love some of the five out stuff that everyone's doing. And then it's just kind of morphed into my own deal. That's interesting because I do think I, when I watch you, I think beeline because when I was at ESPN, I did a breakdown of his offense and they're like, Mm -hmm. what offense is he running? And I go, all of them. Yeah. What do you, and I go, well, I mean, he took some aspects of Princeton, took some aspects, uh, you know, almost all of it is with obviously the bit, the, the five high, because he has a, a five who can pick and pop and can also, it, it opens up the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some elements of shuffle, you know, yeah. and, and uh, there, there's elements of, it's like, Ooh, I took this, but I took this and how do I put it kind of all together? And when I watch you, you know, like I see some shuffle, you yeah. know, I see some spread. I see a little pistol action as well. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of all, sort of in there. It's all kind of in there, but it, how you teach it, that's always amazing because, you know, there's, you got four other dudes there in suits and you have to, they have to know what's in your brain. Cause in your brain, it all makes sense. You're like, well, exactly. we go here and we go here and we go here and we go there. See? And they're like, uh-huh. You're like, okay. How hard is that to get them to see what's all going on in there? It is for the, for the new guys that came on staff. I think their heads were spinning a little bit in the summer. We did a ton of offense this summer, for a lot of, we had a couple of new players, but I think I really wanted those guys to get a feel for our terminology, how we teach it. Uh, um, and it continues to evolve, you know, and another guy that's been a, a, a guy that I really love is Lenny Acuff, you know, who was at Alabama Huntsville and he's now at Lipscomb, but he was a D2 uh, um, genius and he's a, he's an offensive genius and he runs a lot of the Princeton stuff. And um, it does, it takes time, but the guys who've been with me, I mean, they know it just as well as I do now. And, um, I always comes up with great ideas and your players teach you a ton, Doug, like you're doing this stuff and it maybe looks more complex than it is. Um, but your players teach you a lot. Um, so you have a system, but man, wow, David Roddy got, that looks pretty good. Maybe we should name that something, you know, how can we get to that particular action more often just in our motion? And, I think that's how those things, those things evolve, but it, it kind of becomes your own. And that's what I love about John Beeline. You're exactly right. You watch, follow his career and he just keeps finding ways to take things that he likes and trying to stay ahead of the defense. And it's just morphed into his own deal. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here. Um, the Drake thing. Mm-hmm. Why, why'd you take the Drake job? I thought kind of like when I was at Furman, I thought Drake was a, was a really good academic school um, in the Midwest. It was a recruiting base that I had known really, really well. They had just built a brand new practice facility there. Um, they had new leadership, you know, president. Um, and I thought they were really committed to being good at basketball. The Valley had changed a little bit, you know, with Wichita and Creighton leaving. I thought that Drake was poised. I thought it could be a really good job. They love basketball there. And people thought I was nuts, but I thought it was a job that really fit me. And, and, um, you know, and, and again, without getting into the details of things that were going on at, at Furman at the time, but 
I decided to do it. People thought thought that you know you're crazy. What are you doing? Um, but I think it's proven to be right. I think obviously we had a really good year with that group of guys that were coming back, and Darren's just done an unbelievable job there at Drake. And I think people are seeing now that that can be one of the best programs in the valley. What is that like for you though? To you're you're a fun, nice person, right? There's not doesn't feel like any interaction I've had with you or with anybody knows you there is like, well, he's a sneaky bad guy. Right. But when you're not only at a place for a year, people talk shit, you know, people, yep. people will say like, well, I just, you know, I just left for more money or whatever. And there, it's left with that, even though you turn the program, you know, and help Darren, who I agree, he's a great dude. Um, he's an amazing yep. job. Right. But there's some negative feelings there. Yeah. How do you, pro- how do you process that? You know, uh, listen, Doug, I mean, a nice guy and so on and so forth. But, you know, you, you, you that's part of the job. I mean, you're going to have to when you're in this business, you better have some some thick skin, man. You're going to you're going to take bullets. And, um, you know, I, people who know me and, and, and know that this job at CSU for a lot of different reasons was a place that was really special to me. I never anticipated this job was going to be open and the timing. I did. We don't get to choose those things. And it was difficult. I didn't have, I had no ill feelings at all towards anyone at Drake. Those people were awesome to me. And I had a huge belief in what we were doing. And you went there thinking that that's where I was going to be. Um, but this thing happened and I just felt like it was something I couldn't say no to, you know, for me and my family. And, um, that's what I did. And, and I understand the people being upset and that's fine. I, I totally get that. And I, you know, have to live with that, but ultimately I guess what I would say, I think it worked out for both parties. I think Drake's doing just fine yeah. <laughs> more than yeah. just fine. You know, yeah. I, I think it worked out well for them and I think it's worked out well for us. And, you know, you hate that it went down the way that it did, but I think that both programs are in great shape. And so I think people just need to move forward. Right. And they, and they have, which is great. They have, I think, look, I think Larry Stacey's an amazing basketball coach. We played against his best teams in Iowa state and he said, but it, it, it did not end well. You know, it, it didn't end well. And Larry's a guy who will tell you exactly how he's feeling when he's feeling. So I'm guessing that when you got there, your styles are completely different. Offensive style, defensive style, personality, very different, that it was a breath of fresh air. But you weren't a great basketball team. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember I I, I called a game. You guys played Kansas State in Denver your, your first year. So I remember Thistlewood as a freshman. I remember all these guys. Well, I think that was your, your first year, wasn't it? That was actually Larry's last. Was Larry's year. last year? Yeah, I wasn't there yet. It was the next. Year. I actually, I actually got okay, all, all kinds of flight issues, and I literally landed like an hour and a half before <laughs> the game, and I got there, and they're all warming up, and I put my tie on. It was not a great, not a great. One. Okay, so you you take over CSU. You hadn't been there in what seven, eight years or so, right? Uh, what 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 was different from the last time? So, you know what's Doug, what I remember the most is when I had left here, my last couple of years, the, the Moby Arena was packed. I mean, the energy was awesome. And yes. I remember walking out for the first game and I was stunned at where the attendance had gone in just six years. I mean, nobody was there at the games. I mean, that the apathy was, you know, off the charts and whatever the reasons are, whatever doesn't really matter. But I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're going to have to build this fan base back again because nobody was coming to the games. And that's what stood out to me the most. I knew we were going to have to make some some changes in personnel. And obviously, the way we were going to do things uh, maybe wasn't going to vibe with a lot of the guys that were there. And so I knew that I had been prepared for that because I'd been in these jobs before as an assistant and head coach. And, um, and, and, and we did. And then I think 
because of that and having a lot of confidence in your vision and what we were able to do, we quickly turned it in year two. You know, we got this great group of freshmen and uh, Carvacho had stuck around and a guy like Chris Martin, Hiron Edwards, and we were able to have a pretty good, you know, dang good year in year two. And um, it's obviously, you know, continued to move forward here. And I mean, you were at the game the other night, Doug. I mean, Mobile Arena is a pretty dang cool place now when you get a crowd in there. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so you go from that to consecutive 20 win seasons, you know, and now you're the 
preseason favorite to win the league. Um, and it's, again, it, it does follow the Tim Miles, you guys build programs kind of over, over time. Um, let's, let's kind of like, I'm there, John Tonjit, who I, I shared the story, like freshman B team when he's in Omaha as a kid, right? So- soccer background, you know, but slowly evolves. And then I think it was like, it was like you guys in UNO, right? To, yeah. to get yeah. You know, Creighton sniffed a little bit at the end, like, you know, he had had a huge senior year, but yeah, I mean, that was it. It was us in, in UNO and we just loved him. We're like, man, I don't care who's recruiting this guy. We think he can play her and he's a great kid and he wants to work. And um, yeah, but it was just us in UNO. It's amazing. Like your whole team is, is just, it's really an interesting kind of built together. My one thought is, do you have too many guys? You have a lot of guys that can play. We do. How do you manage that? That's a great question. You know, I think the other thing for us is, you know, a lot of these guys have gotten minutes here the first three games, but, you know, Kendall Moore got hurt. So it helps other guys get minutes. Yeah. You know, and now he's going to come back and it is, I mean, I think like everybody says, it's, it's a great problem as far as we've got a lot of depth and talent. But, you know, not everybody's going to going to get minutes, you know, the way that they want. And that's going to be a work in progress for us as we get through, you know, start going through the season here and trying to figure out rotations, you know, who plays, who doesn't. It's going to be game to game, maybe a little bit. And I know that that's not easy, but it's something we have to buy into as a team. And um, I think, you know, like in that game the other night, Oral Roberts, you were at. So Kendall gets hurt. David Roddy gets hurt. Um, but I thought our depth allowed us to play the way that we did, you know, that game. And so hopefully, you know, game one, the players can see it that, hey, this has got to be a strength of ours moving forward. No question. Um, you mentioned rebuilding the fan base, whatever. Um, it's interesting. I love Fort Collins and I had never been there until, I think you mentioned that Moby Arena was one of, it might have been, I don't know if Tim was gone then. I think Tim was gone, but uh, they had a great game against San Diego State and uh, the orange out. Yeah. And yes, yes. And, um, and so I, like I've seen it and it, 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 there's a lot of still water to it, right? There's a lot of college town America. Yeah. It's like still water with mountains. It's beautiful. Um, but how do you, what do you personally do? Like, are you an about town guy? You just do your deal. Like, what is the secret to building the the connection between the community and the and the school and the team? I always tell people, I said, you know, if you want people to invest, you have to connect. I think you get investment through connection. And I think that some of those things are organic. I am an around town guy. Um, we've we've more than tripled uh, um, membership in our, our, our round ball club, our booster club here. Fundraising has gone through the roof. Um, my staff is the same way. Our players are the same way, you know, being really intentional about being welcoming. Anyone who wants to come to a practice, bring their kids to practice, do whatever. We, we have an open door policy that way. And I think over time, guys get to, people get to know you, uh, um, they get to know your players. Um, they like what you're doing. They're people that they want to cheer for and this town will support it. And I think you saw that on opening night. I mean, we had a great crowd, you know, for Oral Roberts and, uh, we came out the next night again, Arkansas Pine Bluff, the student section was packed again. And so I think over time, those things have built and honestly, Doug, if it not been for COVID last year, I think we would have had great crowds last season too. And so, I do think you have to be intentional about that, but I think people can sense that you're genuine, that you really care. Uh, you want to put a product out there that people can can cheer for. And, and that's what we're doing. And hopefully that continues to allow us to have great crowds this year. Because Moby's um, a tough place to play when it's packed. It's absolutely. I mean, it's, most any place is tough when it's packed, right? Uh, but, you know, you got some altitude working for you too. You got, 
got a lot, a lot of things you're, you're working. Um, okay. Here's a hard question. Tim leaves and takes Nebraska and, you know, retirement type money, but it is one of those, like, look, sometimes the lead, you know, you don't leave the best job in your league for middle of the road job in, in other league. And they got great facilities and they wanted it to work. And it just didn't work long-term. Is that a warning sign to coaches like yourself who have it going perfectly happy, but at some point in time, somebody's going to throw a lot of money at you to go and fix their program the way you fix Colorado state. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think you make a great point. It, it's, it's why mess. I mean, I came here for a reason, you know, why, why mess with happy. I, I feel like we can win here. We can recruit the right kinds of players. We love living here. We love our staff. And, you know, I, I, I really am envious of coaches when I look around that are able to go to a place and have long-term success um, and to be there and, and to really establish their, you know, a culture and identity. Uh, um, their family becomes, you know, entrenched in the community. And I, and I love what we're doing here. And, and I, I feel like you can really build a big time winner here and a consistent winner. And, um, you know, it's, it's no different, you know, than some of the transfer stuff. And, uh, um, you know, every situation is, is different. Things change so quickly in this business, Doug. It's crazy. I've never seen a time where college athletics has changed more in the last two to three years than it has now. And so, you know, you never know what tomorrow brings, but I agree with you. I think that sometimes if you feel like you can win someplace and you're happy, that's a hard thing to mess with. No, I mean, I can tell you that in my own professional career that, you know, messing with happy is, uh, is, is, is a very dangerous thing. And then you go and you're like, man, I wish I had that back. Like, yeah, you had it and you, you don't have it anymore. Um, okay. Part of being in the upper Midwest, part of being in Fort Collins is you can be a lot of driving, right? Got, yeah. You can, can drive to Denver when you want to fly, but there's gonna be a lot of driving in terms of going, what, what do you like on the road when you're driving and you're recruiting? You always want to have somebody with you. You always want to be by yourself. Are you always a phone guy? Are you a podcast guy? You don't have to. What 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 are you like? Love podcasts. You know, I listen to your podcast. I think podcasts are are, are the thing. You know, people. You, know, you like to read books. It's hard to find time to read books the way that you want, but you can always have, you know, your truck lined up with podcasts, you know, airplanes, you can listen to so many interesting people and, and things. I think that's an awesome deal. But Doug, really think about it. Probably the biggest challenge of our job is, okay, you've got Denver, you got Colorado. There's a few guys you can recruit here, but from where I sit in my office, if I get in the car and drive five hours, any direction, I'm in the middle of nowhere. So, so, so you're on airplanes all the time recruiting here. There, there isn't that place where, you know, you, you don't have as many unofficial visits here because you don't have all these metropolitan areas that guys can drive in here. So you're always on an airplane. So you have to be really intentional about where you go recruit, where you spend your time and your resources. And so when we go out, we're on airplanes uh, um, and we found, you know, we recruit the Midwest, we recruit out West. Texas has been really good to us, do a little bit of stuff internationally. But we got to be careful not to get spread out too thin, in my opinion. But um, I like, I, I don't mind. I'll do it either way. I'll go by myself. I like going with our staff. But I think what we try to do is be really intentional about the guys that we like and really invest in those guys. And, and uh, um, that's what we do. Because if you're on an airplane all the time and you're trying to spin your wheels too many directions, uh, that, that's going to be a problem. Give me a guy, give me one who got away, a kid that you thought you were going to get. You didn't get, it turned out to be a really good player. And man, I thought I had him. 
you know, I, I remember the one I remember my last year here at Colorado State when I was an assistant and we were up in uh, um, Illinois and we were recruiting a kid named Ben Moore. Um, and he, you know, Ben and Moore ended up playing with the Pacers a little bit in the NBA. But anyway, I was with Larry Stacey at the time. Larry Brown's at SMU. This kid started to get everyone in the Big Ten recruiting him, but it came down to Larry Brown, Larry Stacey, myself, and, and, uh, um, and those guys. And I, I mean, we took, God, we went out there you know, six, seven times, a private plane, the whole deal. And I thought we were getting this kid. We thought he was going to be great. And ended up, he ended up going to SMU, um, had a had a great career there uh, um, for Larry Brown and ended up playing in the league for a little bit. And that was a guy that I really thought we were going to beat all these people and get. And he went on to have a great, great career. And he's a great dude. And there's so many that, that get away. It's funny though. I remember John Beeline always told me this and it's true. He's like, you know what? Because Nico, I never worried about who we didn't get. You know, I just never worried. I only worried about who who, who we got. And um, sometimes, no matter how hard you recruit a guy, guy just doesn't want to come to your place. He wants to go someplace else. So, what do you do? All right. So, give me a guy who you had to be convinced of by by someone in your staff, and he shows up, and you're like, I, I, I had no idea this kid's way better than I thought. <laughs> Right. That's a great one too. We we had a kid at we had a kid at Furman. We recruited Devin Sibley. He ended up being freshman of the year. Uh, and he was player of the year as a junior. And we went up to Knoxville and nobody was recruiting him. I remember watching this kid and he was a little aloof, uh, kind of. And you know, Bob Ritchie is the assistant, you know, the head coach at Furman now is my my assistant there and and uh kind of liked him. And I, I I grew to like him, but at first I'm like, oh man, I don't know. Is it my personality? And, and when we got him his freshman year, in his first five or six games, he was so awful. I mean, just, and then sure as heck, he turned it on. He ended up being freshman of the year in the league. And so those guys maybe had to sell me a little bit, but he, he had, I tell you what, we wouldn't have won the way we did without him. <laughs> um, you mentioned Larry Stacy you worked for. He, he had some, um, there's some things, you're a very good basketball coach. Now he used to squeeze ball screens, right? Like you, you push up and go two under. under. Yep. Two yeah. under. Mm-hmm. It's called two under. Yep. I, I, no one does that. And I think it's because it's almost impossible to, now I know guys have greater range now, but mm-hmm. you're still, if you do it right, you're shooting over the big guy who's setting the ball screen and like you're shooting over bodies. It's still, it's a difficult shot, but how come no one plays that way? Um, I, I mean, that's a great question. I think people are running more ball screens on the move and screening into ball screens that sometimes makes it harder for the big to get up and, and two under and, and attached. I do agree with you. I think what, what I always remember about that year though, um, we come in here and I don't remember the game is I still talked to Alford about it, but we have to beat New Mexico at home to win the regular season Mountain West championship outright. Colorado State's never won the regular season Mountain West since they've, they've been in the league here. And we go in there and Kendall Williams makes 10 freaking threes against us. And seven of them were behind the ball screen. And, and, and Larry's, that's one of the beautiful things about Larry. It's like, no, we're not going to just, we're going to do what we do better. Um, but he just kept making them. He made 10 freaking threes that game. And we end up losing right, you know, at the buzzer, you know, down there cost us the mountain West championship. Uh, um, and I mean, Maybe we just should have switched or done something there in the last couple have a double. of minutes. But how about we double the guy? We once you get to seven, we'll let's do yeah, it. Yeah. Um, right. but but you're right. For most of the year, I thought that was really effective for us, you know, uh, um, making people shoot threes off the dribble or shoot shots off the dribble. Kids are better at that now than they were yeah. probably even back then. They practice that all the time. That's the other thing. Um, kids are really good at shooting off the dribble. Uh, um well he but, had, he always had guys sprint to the paint, right? And so yeah. 
And so one of the things you could do against his team, if you, if you got them off the court, you could get quick threes in transition. And then of course he also, you know, squeeze under those, you know, two under the ball screen. So there right. was, you know, and, and a lot of that is stuff is stuff has changed. And you, as you, as you point out, all right, last thing, what would it mean to you to be the guy that could win that Matt? Like you've been, you've been there with Tim, you've been there mm-hmm. with Larry. Yeah. Are you there? I mean, this is almost, 20 years now, a span though, you're, or 15 years, or whatever, at, at the school, 07, 2022, right? With Furman and Drake in the middle. Um, what would it mean to be that guy and have this team win the Mountain West? Man, I, I, I tell you what, like, it just, you feel not so much for me. It, it's just the players who believed in us, you know, the, the vision to come here and, and be where we are right now when we weren't, you know, very good when we recruited them all the people here in this community, I know who've been CSU fans forever. Um, you know, people who believed in you hiring you, it, it, it would mean the world to do something that nobody's ever done before. Cause they can never take that away from you, you know, and that's, that's a beautiful thing about a legacy, like your players. And um, if you're able to do something like that, you've got that banner up there. Um, those guys can go there 20, 30 years from now, with their family, nobody can ever take that, you know, from them. And so that would mean the world, but as you know, I mean, great. We're picked to win the league. The, the only happier person is Dutch, right? Like Dutch and, and all for, you know what I mean? Like, it, and, uh, we know how hard this league's going to be. There's so many teams uh, um, that could win this thing. Uh, the depth is great. You got to stay healthy. Um, you got to, with the margins are so small, it's going to come down to a few games, but I like our team. If we can stay healthy, I feel like we can compete, but I know there's a lot of teams that feel the same way. Well, listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I know how busy you are. And what was it that you want to, you were talking about players that you wanted that focus. What was the, you, your intention, right? You want to like set your big, set your intention guy, right? Yep. So yep. what's you, it is a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. What is your intention? Do you have, have you, do you have an intention for today? What is your intention for the day? Intention today. We finally have a day off. We had just played, you know, three, two and under 40 hours. We have a day off today. We'll leave tomorrow to start to travel to the Virgin islands. Today is more about these guys. The intention of we'll start, I'll start turning my attention to Bradley. Um, we're going to meet here as a staff a little bit and start to start to do that. Um, and then for our guys, it's just, the intention is to manage your academics, to take care of your, your things. We got to fill out our travel portal thing to get to the Virgin Islands, but try to take care of all the, for the players, all the off the court stuff today to, to make sure your business is taken care of. So when we show up tomorrow morning uh, uh, to get in the weight room a little bit and watch a little bit of film before we get on that plane. But for me as a staff, it's to turn our attention to, uh, to Bradley. And that's what I'll do next year. That's awesome. Well, listen, it's a trip well-deserved. Uh, to the Virgin Islands, some of these kids who, who's traveled right in the last year and a half, two Absolutely. years, two years. Absolutely. So enjoy it. Be safe. Bring home a, a a championship. And I really appreciate your time, Doug. Appreciate you, man. You are great at what you do. Thanks, Nico. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Right, that was uh, that was great. It was really interesting. I, I love people's journeys. I like his team a lot. Do I think they have NBA players? I don't. I think the Mountain West this year is still in kind of transition. Obviously, New Mexico is going to be, you know, a year away. I would say UNLV, kind of same thing. When that league gets going, if New Mexico and UNLV, if UNLV has pros and New Mexico has a good team and it's a great home court advantage, San Diego State, you know, you lose 3,000 point scores. The league's going to be a little bit down this year. But I I think it's like a year away. It it feels like the Mountain West, if, if anybody remembers when the SEC started to really pay some money and Open some new arenas. Bruce Pearl comes in. And, um, you look at what Tennessee has 
has done. You know, you change coaches and you get some of these guys that have done it multiple places and you really invest. It took a couple of years before the SEC started to pump out a, a depth of high quality teams. The WCC has done the same. I think that's where the Mountain West is. I think Brian Dutcher's got that thing rolling. I think they'll be good. You just you lost a lot of scoring from last year. Um, New Mexico, I think Richard Pitino is going to do great. It's probably a year away. I think Kevin Kruger is going to do great. I think it's probably a year away. Meanwhile, Colorado State, uh, I think Boise's better than they played. And I think the rest of that league will be even better the second that those core teams, New Mexico, UNLV, and San Diego State are all rolling. And I think New Mexico and UNLV are a year away. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.